I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher here at Grace and Truth Ministries. I've been teaching on something every Saturday afternoon at 2.30, and I'm going to continue to do that. People have wondered what this coronavirus is about, and I don't really, I'm not interested in whether it's real serious or it's not real serious. I'm not interested in who started it, if it was Bill Gates or a worldwide uh, effort on some people to reduce the population. I don't care. The point is, it's of God. When any evil men do anything, God moves upon their hearts and lives and causes them to do that. That's how everything works together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called all things. That's how we can in everything give thanks. The coronavirus, yeah. Polio, yeah. Ebola, yes. Those of us that are believers, all these things work together for our good. A ticket, yeah. Speeding to get a ticket, yeah. Running a red light and cops stopping you, yeah, you can be thankful for that. Because every step of your life is is modified due to that being stopped. And our God has declared the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, everything that's not yet done, not every good thing, every evil thing that's not yet done, every disease that's not yet done, every pestilence that's not yet done, everything in the world, every war that's not yet done, that's the sword, the pestilence, every famine that's not yet done, everything that's going on is declared by God. The Bible says so. Why can't we get it through our heads? Rather than trying to figure out who started this virus and and who's the cause of it, and it's not as bad as people think, or it's a lot worse than they think, it doesn't matter. It's of God. But that's not all that's of God. There are four judgments, and they're all of God. The end of time is near. That's why this is happening. I wouldn't be surprised if time ends before I die. Now, I may die here in the next two or three years. Maybe not. But it don't matter. I'll go be with the Lord. I'm thankful for everything that God's doing. Believers should be thankful for this worldwide. People say, we're not having a pandemic. Well, let me put it this way. We have a worldwide pandemic fear. The fear is all over the world, whether it's real or not. That's of God, too. It's all of God. I've been looking forward to something like this ever since I was a very young preacher. I started teaching prophecy in the early 60s. I've been studying since I was in high school in the mid-50s. And I've had my eyes on this prophecy ever since I can remember. Christmas is the reason for God's four judgments. Christmas is Christ's mass, if you can see the extra S, including wars, that's the sword, famine, that's worldwide food shortage. Pestilence, that's all kinds of diseases, including the bubonic plague, and I can't name all of them. There's been hundreds of them throughout the world. Uh, Polio, AIDS, Ebola, coronavirus is just one of many plagues. 
if it's not as strong as what you think it, what we've been told God can make it that powerful if he wants to and if it's not the coronavirus he'll send something worse than that I believe we're, these are signs of the end of time and the coming plagues that are going to come are all God's judgments you can find that in Deuteronomy 28 28 and you can find it in Leviticus 26 you can find it in Exodus 15 and many others these are some very very pointed uh, statements about Israel being disobedient to God if you obey my commandments and my judgments and my statutes he said I'll fill up your fields you'll have plenty of food there'll be no famine there'll be no famine among my people and there won't be a worldwide pestilence among the believers but I'll send pestilence but if you obey my laws there'll be no disease no plagues no polio no AIDS no Ebola no coronavirus and whatever else is coming if you think this this is the end of it you really don't believe the Bible and the beast is the fourth judgment that's why Israel is at war in the Middle East it's all about the same subject I was in the hospital back when I had a heart attack in 2006 had triple bypass surgery and they put me under all kinds of drugs and they had me on uh, morphine and I had all kinds of imaginations <laughs> morphine will give you imagination boy uh, when they take cut your chest open take your heart and bounce it around the room a few times and that's what you feel like you you and you, you beg for morphine and they give it to you and all the pain goes away and while I was on the morphemes I had some wild dreams I had a I dreamed that it was a picture of Adolf Hitler on the wall in the hospital I don't know why Adolf Hitler and uh, people say he must be a Nazi no you're ignorant and then I would see my dogs running up under the bed I'd say there goes Cricket and of course I'm down here at Centennial and I think Cricket is running under my bed there goes Cowboy that was a little Welts Corgan and I would see them running around and that is one other thing I was seeing I was having a dream about the Bible and I think God has really kind of shown me how this is all together this is one picture one big large picture and I and while I was on that morphine I kept having this vision that I was seeing this big picture of the Bible on a big board and I kept saying if I could just get in my right mind and get out of the hospital I could show this to everybody and they could see that this is one big picture and that's what I'm trying to paint to you is one large picture that's what it's about all the evil in the bible goes back to christ mass christmas but it was under another name i'm going to erase this 
Christmas was here under another name in the Old Testament. It was called Baal, Baal, and the Grove. And Israel got involved in this. God tells Israel, if you go after any other gods, I'll send these judgments. First, I'll send the sword, then the famine, then the pestilence. And the last thing I'll do, and for 510 years, Israel never, they would not keep the commandments of God. Most of the kings of Israel were wicked. There are only three of them among all the kings from Saul, David, Solomon, and then the kingdom was split because Solomon allows his 700 wives and 300 concubines, which were secondary wives, he allowed them to keep their sun and tree gods under a different name, Shemash, Molech. They came from other nations, from Moab and Ammon, which is Jordan, which is northern Jordan, southern Jordan. And some of his wives came from Egypt. He had the daughter of Pharaoh to wife, and she brought all of her gods over to Israel. And they were, all the female deities were called Ashtaroth, A-S-H-T-O-R-O-T-H. We're talking about why the virus, why all other diseases, why Israel is fighting over here. And it's all the same reason. When the beast comes at the end of 510 years, while Israel is a nation from 1 Samuel to 2 Chronicles, 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, First and Second Chronicles. This is the history of Israel as a nation. And it's what they did. It's what they did during that time period that God scattered them over the earth. And they have been ruled by nations. They haven't ruled themselves since 586 B.C. And you're going to find... What they did happened in First Kings. First Kings, the sixteenth, the eleventh chapter, when Solomon allowed his wives to go after these other gods, and then in First Kings, the sixteenth chapter. These are very important chapters. That's where Ahab marries Jezebel, and he brings her gods down from. Tyre and Sidon, he runs into her. He had a, pa- a castle up here at Mount Carmel. And that was right on the border of Israel, northern Israel, and Tyre. So somehow he comes in contact with Jezebel. J-Z-E-B-E-L is a form of B-A-A-L. So she has a name that connects with her gods. And her father was Eth Baal, means with Baal, Eth Baal. And uh, so he marries her and brings it down to Israel. Because Israel did this, because they stayed involved in it, and they would not repent of this wickedness, God scatters them by the beast. Northern Israel was scattered in 722 B.C. There was, in each one of these kingdoms, there were three deportations in each one. 
three deportations of northern Israel. That's where the Assyrians came in, uh, men like Tiglath Pileser and uh, and Shalmaneser and these other Assyrian kings, and they have been scattered all over the world and lived under many nations, many nations. For 2,600 years. Until May 14th, 1948. This is the big picture I'm wanting to paint to you. It's one picture. God came to Israel only. Israel was Jacob. That was Jacob's name was changed to Israel. His father was Isaac and Isaac's father was Abraham and Abraham goes all the way back to Shem the second born son of Noah and that was the blessed lineage that was one flesh one flesh and God only gave his truth to this one flesh and that goes all the way back to Adam in the Genesis the fifth chapter I could give you all those names but I won't do that I got too many things to go to so this is the picture I would see, and I had been studying this for years, and when I was in the hospital seeing this picture, and all I want to do is paint it for you, that it's from one end of the Bible to the other. When God says, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh, all flesh, that begins when God had blinded the eyes of the Jews. He blinds their eyes because their hearts were so hardened but he hardened their hearts all the time they were a nation and they and he measures out a time period it's called the 70 weeks of Daniel or 70 times 7 70 times 7 and the Jews had a sabbatical year every 7 years 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 this is the reason for, I'm going to insert this, this is the reason for the famine, for the disease, for the pestilence, for the four judgments of God. And it's the beast that comes in and carries Israel away. The beast is Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. The reason it's called the beast is because it's represented by a lion, a bear, a leopard, and the beast with iron teeth, iron teeth. And that was Rome. And that was Rome. And there's reasons for this. The lion is the most regal of all the animals of the Serengeti. The bear is the largest carnivore in the world. Persia had the largest armies that take 250 million not excuse me, not two hundred and fifty million, two and a half million. They'd take two and a half million in their army and they would attack Carthage or anywhere else with that many. And the leopard was like I keep saying a, a honed killing machine. That was Alexander the Great. And he conquered the bear by kept snapping at his haunches. And then the beast was iron teeth was Rome that engulfed all these others. And the fire worship which Israel was involved in over here was Baal and the world. Baal was the fire god. So anytime you see 
Elijah challenging the priests of Baal. He challenged them in the 18th chapter of 1 Kings. He said, let the God that answers by fire, let him be the fire God. And that's when he prayed and God rained fire from heaven and consumed the sacrifice on the altar and all the water that was poured on it around it. So it's one picture. So what we're talking about, we're talking about Israel becoming nation in May 14, 1948. And then they had these wars. But they were being ruled by the world all this time from the times they were carried away until that was a 2600 year period up until May 14, 1948 they became a nation for the first time since they were carried away back here and it was significant that they had the Sinai War Sinai War of 1957 1957 then they had the Six Day War and that was from June 5th through June 10th, 1967. June 5th through June 10th. All this is a part of the picture. I'm going to keep reminding you of this. These are not separate events. They have to do with God's picture towards His people. Then He blinds, these, he blinds His own people in Luke, the 19th chapter, that was at the end of the 69th week. Then there is a 2,000-year period where you have the church, the Gentile church, and that's the all-flesh or the all-men of the all-people. God never extended His truth in the Old Testament except to one bloodline, Adam to Shem to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob becomes Israel, and that's the only people who got the truth except a certain few exceptions like Ruth, the Moabite, like Rahab the harlot, and a few others, perhaps Nebuchadnezzar was also in that exemption. And then he says, I'm going to give my spirit as of Acts 2 to all flesh, red, yellow, white, black, and brown flesh. That's all men are all people are all flesh. As opposed to the one flesh over here. That's the whole point. Now, then you had these wars. These were overwhelming wars. The Israel was so completely outnumbered. When they became a nation, May 14, 1948, war broke out with Israel. All the Arab nations declared war against Israel and anyone who backed Israel, which would include the United States. That's why the World Trade Center came down. The World Trade Center came down because Israel celebrated Christmas or fire and tree worship under another name in the ancient world. The other name was Baal Grove, and that was that was the actually Babylonian. It was Babylonian because Babylon mothered all idolatry. Where did it come from to get into Israel? Well, it came from... Where did it come from to get into Israel? It came from... There were two places in the ancient world. Two places. 
that were literally the home of fire and tree worship. One was Babylon, and we know that it started there. Babylon, the other was Tyre. These two places, the leaders of these two places, these were compared with Satan himself in the 14th chapter of Isaiah. Isaiah 14, the last monarch of Babylon was Belshazzar, and he was termed to be, he was called, Belshazzar was called the Shining One, or he was called Lucifer. Lucifer is not Satan, it's Belshazzar who kept this fire worship going at Babel. And Babylon was the mother of harlots. She was founded on self. Or let us make us a name. Let us make us a name. I'm going to keep reminding you, this is all one picture of one family. That's all it is. It's not like it's mysterious. It's not. The reason God called the Gentile church or the all flesh was because Israel, God had hardened their hearts. It was God that hardened the heart of Israel not to repent. The Bible says so in Romans eleven eleven. Did the Israel stumble just to stumble for no reason? God forbid they stumbled and went after this fire and tree worship so that salvation would come to the Gentile church. Well, that don't make any sense, does it? God hardens their hearts so they can't hear and destroys them and kills them by the millions. And then he opens the eyes of the Gentile church of the all men or the all flesh. One picture. You say, well, I just don't understand that. You have to understand what God does. I've learned a long time ago, I don't try to figure out why God does what he does. I just believe him if he says it. That's the whole thing. Now, I have a book. What Israel was involved in, I put this on the board so many times, I can't count. What they were involved in while they were a nation was Baal in the grove, or the Ashtaroth, or all the gods of Egypt, or all the, all the gods of the nations around them. And that was the reason we know it was the same thing that Constantine brought in the church and called Christ Mass was because Babylon mothered all idolatry. And the reason Constantine brought that into the church, I keep saying this, is because, if you can get a hold of this, I'm just try, simply trying to give you... Uh, Constantine thought he was going to lose the empire. All of the Caesars thought for several hundred years they were going to lose the empire. And lose it to who? They thought they were going to lose it to all of those hordes of barbarians that rampaging all over the European, what we call the European continent. He thought, here's Constantine in Rome. That's the boot of Italy right there. They call it the boot. There's Rome. Here's Sicily where the mob started. And this is Greece. And this is what they called Asia Minor or Turkey today. And there's Israel right there. Now, 
he thought I'm going to lose the empire he's only ruling on the Mediterranean Sea that's why the Bible says the beast comes out of the sea the beast was Babylon Iraq Persia Iran Pakistan Afghanistan Greece right here and Rome it was the Babylonian lion the Persian bear the Grecian leopard and the beast with iron teeth that's what it is it's a picture if you got to get that in your head well Constantine said I'm going to lose this empire he wasn't ruling all these Huns that were coming from the far east I thought we called the German Huns that because they come up and settled in a place called Germany and he's afraid he's going to lose to the Huns to the Vandals to the Ostrogoths to the Burgundians, to the to the Franks, to the Saxons. These were people that were not being ruled by the Roman Empire. So he said, what I'll do is bring their gods into the corrupt church at Rome, and we will take the feast of Saturn, Saturnalia, and we will turn the name of it into Christ's Mass. The feast of Saturn, Saturn was the father of the gods. Saturn was the father of the gods at Rome. Father of the gods. And may I remind you, this is why all of this is happening in the Middle East. This is why the World Trade Center came down. Since the U.S. sided with with Israel... The Arab states had a law in their, it was an unwritten law and it was written and understood that anyone who sided with the, with the Israeli people, they were in an automatic war with the Arabs. So the next day when Harry Truman pressured the world to pressured the world to declare Israel a nation 1948 and that's a long story they had been fighting the Arabs for many years the Arabs said anyone that's siding with the Israelis were automatically in jihad which is a holy war so America's been in a holy war with the Arab nations or the Arab Emirates the way they call it today has been in war with the Arab nations since May 15th, 1948, when they declared war, and that's why the World Trade Center came down. Those guys that crashed those planes in the World Trade Center weren't crazy. They really believed in what they were doing. How could they believe in it? Because when Israel was liberated in 1917, by the British Commonwealth during World War One, at the end of World War One, by the British, when they were liberated, they became at the end of World War One. It wasn't called World War One then because they didn't know there was going to be a second World War. It was called the Great War. At the end of the Great War, at the end of that Great War, it was a British general. Allenby that marched in Jer- that came into Jerusalem 
took the city and and Israel was made a part of the British Commonwealth. It was not an independent nation yet. And then the Balfour Declaration was issued in 1920. And when it expired, it expired May 14, 1948. And the pressure was put on the world by Harry Truman to make Israel a nation. All of that is because, came about because Israel went after this system called Bell and the Grove. When Constantine brought in this these systems, all of these people were fire and tree worshippers because everything that's idolatry comes out of Babylon. When she said, let us make us a name, let us build us a city and a tower. So all of this was the same thing that Israel was involved in when they were involved in Baal and the Grove. So Israel simply worshipped Christmas under another name. Now, the Feast of Saturn was a festival from 17th, 17th of December until the 24th. I have preached on this. This is not a separate subject from prophecy. It is prophecy. It's not a separate subject. It's the same thing as prophecy. That's why I believe the end of time is very close. Mainly because we're having so many wars. We've got so much terrorism. We have Al-Qaeda, ISIS, Hezbollah, Hamas. Just a few of the terrorist organizations of the Palestinians, the the Lebanons, Lebanese, the the uh, the Afghanistanian terrorists, the ISIS, and so forth. All of these came about because Israel went after this system. That's why. I just want to paint the picture for everybody. And the reason they had this feast of Saturn, they called it the Saturnalia from the 17th to the 24th, is because on the 21st of, of December, that's called the winter solstice. And the winter solstice was December the 21st. That's the longest nights of the year. This is not... Please, don't think that this is a Christmas message. It is a prophecy message of the reason that the virus and that the wars, and not just the coronavirus, every other disease is here. If you think God's going to just back off on the coronavirus, well, it's not as serious as they say, and it's not uh, causing as many deaths as they say. It don't matter. God can accelerate this thing till it'll cause millions of deaths. And I've had people say, well, that would mean that we're going to be suffering. That's right. Who are we to think that we're better than Peter, James, and John, and Paul, and these guys that were martyred and put to death and tortured? Who are we to think that we're better than the people during the Inquisition that were slaughtered by the millions by the Roman Catholic Church? Who are we to think that? 
I mean, I'm going to die here in the next 10 years anyway. And what difference does it make? If your hope is in Jesus Christ, you're going to say it don't make any difference. And the reason for December the 21st being the winter solstice, it's the longest nights of the year, and it has to do with the sun upon its axis. They worshiped nature in the ancient world. Let me get back here to the sun. Right here. It has to do with the the fall equinox comes at the end of the harvest, the October the twenty first. And as the sun is going in its orbit around Uh, the earth is going around the sun it looks like the sun is getting dimmer and dimmer when you get down here to the winter solstice looks like it's getting dimmer what's happening is the earth is on its axis and it's slanted at 23 and a half degrees I believe uh, and it's going around the sun and when it's slanted this way in the northern hemisphere it's summer and then when it gets over here to this area it's winter well they thought the sun was moving away and when you get to winter the depth of winter is december the 21st so they gave they gave the birthday of december the 25th to the sun god of december 25th was the birthday of the sun god of Rome. And the reason they had the feast of Saturn, they said Saturn was the father of the gods, and they thought the sun was actually burning out as it got dimmer and dimmer. But that was simply for the fact that the earth was on its axis. It was simply coming around to the winter time. So they thought the sun is burning out. So when they get to the 21st, they say, we got to give a birthday to the sun. And three days later, they give December the 25th to the sun of Saturn at Rome, Mithra. And Mithra's birthday was December the 25th. That's what it was. You can look at Look up Mithra and McClinic and Strong. Take the M volume, look it up, Mithra. And it will tell you that this was the most celebrated birthday in Rome. Most celebrated day was the birthday of Mithra. Mithraism was the greatest threat to ancient Christianity. Now, I've got a book here. I've never really read much from it. It's called... 4,000 years of Christmas. That's amazing, isn't it? How long ago was Jesus born? 2,000 years ago? This is talking about 4,000 years of Christmas. And this was written by Earl W. Count and Alice Lawson Count. Introduction by Dan Wakefield. It's very interesting. They're trying to give Christmas or Christ's Mass respectability. Now, the Mass was started by Constantine in 325 A.D. 25. At the Nicene Council, 
And they had that council because they thought he was losing the empire to these pagans. So they came together and started the Christ Mass. But the first thing they did before they started the Christ Mass in 312 A.D., due to the fact that Constantine, who was the emperor of all the world at that time, he said, we've got to do something. All of these heathens are going to take over the Roman Empire. So what they did, they issued an edict of toleration. And in this edict of toleration, they said they would tolerate all those pagans bringing their sun and tree worship into the church. Now, preachers have tried to glorify Christmas. They do that in this book, but they tell you the truth about it in this book. Let me tell you what the Bible says. Even John MacArthur thinks it's okay as long as you use it for Christ. No. Let me read to you Leviticus 18. One thing God never did do to the pagans. He didn't tell them not to worship the gods of the pagans. He told them not to keep the customs of the pagans, that the customs would lead them away into captivity. That's what he said. Listen to this. Verse 29 of chapter 28. It's talking about Israel going after Moloch in verse 21. Moloch was another title for the sun god. The reason the fire represented the sun upon the earth because it was a flame and the sun was a flame. And he says here in verse 29, Whosoever shall commit any of these abominations, shall, even the souls that commit them shall be cut off, which means to be killed from among their people. Therefore shall you keep mine ordinance. Chuka is the word, or kuka, C-H-U-Q-Q-A-H, C-H-U-Q-Q-A-H, kuka, it means to, it means ritual, or if you keep the ordinances and you commit, he says, you shall not keep Therefore shall you keep mine ordinance that you commit not any one of these abominable, stinking customs. Notice he's saying, don't keep the customs of the heathen, which were committed before you. And here's what you do. You defile yourselves therein. The word defile, tame, T-A-M-E. It will defile you. You'll be contaminated and corrupt by simply keeping the customs of Christmas or Christ Mass. Now look over here in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 12, or Deuteronomy 4, first of all. Deuteronomy 4. I don't know why John MacArthur won't look at this and see it. But he got, he sells a lot of books. He's a very, very intelligent man. 
he's had a lot more education than I have. I won't say more, say more education in the word, but he's had more formal education. He's got a brilliant vocabulary, but he's doing some things that are wrong. Look here in chapter 4 of Deuteronomy. Now therefore hearken unto Israel, hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you for to do them that you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers giveth you. Now Deuteronomy is right before they cross the Jordan River to go repossess the land. Ye shall not add unto God's word. Christmas, Christ's Mass is adding to the word of God. It's the customs of the heathen. Add is the word Yasaf. Y-A-C-A-P-H. This is the word add. You can't add Christmas to God's word. It's Christ's Mass. It even comes at the same time of the year. They merely took the Feast of Saturn and turned it into Christ's Mass on December the 25th. The Mass is eating human flesh. I could go into that. I won't. You will not add yourself. That means to augment or add to. Christmas is adding to God's Word, and that's the reason in this big picture you say, what's the big deal about something as innocent as Christmas? It's the customs of the heathen that will lead you astray. You say, well, it looks okay to me and just buying somebody a gift and going over to a party and partying with a sister-in-law who cusses like a sailor and a brother-in-law who drinks and tells dirty stories. You actually believe people get together at these Christmas gatherings and talk about Jesus and how he was born of a virgin and how that he died to, came to die to save sinners. I ain't never heard that at a Christmas party in my life. You shall not add unto these words which I command you, neither shall you diminish. All from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Diminish, garam, means to subtract from. God's word is pure. That's what, that's, you can't add and subtract from the word of God. When you look at Deuteronomy 12. This is right before they're going into the land to possess it. You got all kinds of heathens that have been in there. This land was given to Abraham this is around 1400 or 1425 B.C. It was given to Abraham around 2100 B.C. Approximately. So they're going into the land. And while they've been gone, Amorites and Hittites and Perizzites and Jebusites have all moved into the land to take over. God says, drive them out. Don't marry them. Drive them out. And he says here in verse 29, When the Lord thy God shall cut off the nations from before thee, whether thou goest to possess them, and thou succeedest them, and dwellest in their land. When you go in where these pagans are, drive them out. Don't marry them. But Israel did. They married them. 
Take heed to thyself that thou be not snared. If you go in and gather with them, snared, nakash, N-A-Q-A-S-H. The customs of the heathen will entrap you. Not worshiping their gods, just the customs will set a trap for you. It will put a snare. Do you think Christmas is a snare to America, all that they've done? When you do Christmas, you cut slack to do anything else you want to do. You start drinking at Christmas time. You drink social drinks. You say, but we're Christians and we don't do that. But you're contributing to an ancient heathen custom. It don't matter whether you do it or not. What gets me is Christians are saying... People that call themselves Christians are saying, well, we mix with these people without doing what they do. No, you can't. You're supposed to withdraw from even brothers that walk disorderly. Have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather rebuke them. What fellowship does Christ have with Belial? Or does righteousness have with unrighteousness? Has none. The customs will profane you. And then he says, that you be not snared by following them, after that they be destroyed from before thee. How are they going to be destroyed? By Israel. God tells them to destroy them and drive the people out, but they don't. In Judges, the second chapter, they intermarry with them. And that thou inquire not after their gods, saying, here's the question I don't want you asking about their gods. I don't want you asking this question. How did these nations serve their gods? What kind of rituals did they do? I don't want you knowing how they did it. Did Israel listen to that? No. Not only did they acquire and how they did it, they got to doing it. Even so will I do likewise. Thou shalt not do so unto the Lord thy God, for every abomination of the Lord which he hateth have they done. Notice, have they done unto their gods. Their abominations was their rituals, their customs. He's not saying don't serve their gods. Don't keep their customs. They're vain. They'll lead you away. They'll cause you to be destroyed. For even their sons and their daughters have they burned in the fire to their gods. Let me ask you this. By doing Christmas and Easter, Ishtar and Halloween and all of this, Are we destroying our children in the fires of Baal, other Christmas gods? Is that what we're doing? Oh, yeah. Whatsoever thing I command you, observe to do it. Thou shalt not add. There's that word again, Yasaf. You won't augment, nor diminish from it, nor subtract from God's word. Don't add one thing to it or subtract one thing from it. Get away from the Christ mass. Get away from Halloween, which is the same thing among the Celts. It's a different word, but it's a it's a same culture. 
Same custom. Great day in the morning. Now go over here to Proverbs. Proverbs 30. These verses always seem to go together. Proverbs 30. Proverbs 30. We're not talking about, do I believe Israel believed in their gods? No. I believe they love their customs. It's like like we we were down here at the steakhouse one time, and my grandson, uh, Christopher, was about three years old. And a, and a waiter walked by, and he said, looked at Christopher. Christopher's 13 now, but he's about three. And he said, do you have a good Christmas? And I said, we don't celebrate Christmas. It's pagan. And the guy said, yeah, but it's fun. You're right. It'll fool you. He didn't care about the truth at all. And look here in Psalm in Proverbs 30. This is one picture. That's all it is. It's a picture of God's promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but they've got to be obedient to his words. And as soon as they became a nation under the 12 sons of Jacob, who were the 12 tribes and became the nation of Israel, they disobeyed God for 510 years as a nation. And for about 400 years under judges, they were disobedient to God. So God scatters them, brings them back. We've already gone through God bringing them back in Isaiah 11. 11. And Ezekiel 37. And I got to get back to Ezekiel, to Ezekiel 38, because that's where all the nations that's around Israel will attack them at the end of time. And it looks like they're getting ready to do that. We are on the verge of eternity. I'm not trying to prophesy the end of time and set a date or time. I don't see how the young people in this world can keep living through the next 30 years. I believe this world is going to come apart. Not because I think so, because I've spent 50-something years studying this prophecy. started in 64, where I got real serious about it. 74, 84, 94, 94. 2004, 2014, 56 years I've been studying this. I hadn't put a little bit of study. You can't put all this on the board because I studied it for two or three weeks. You can't do it. I have been saturated with this prophecy. It's It's all the same one picture. It's just one picture. That's all it is. Now, let me read something out of this book. 4,000 years of Christmas. I'm going to read some of this. It's very interesting. And they kind of tell the truth on themselves. 2,000 years before Christ in the land where the Tigris and Euphrates meet. The Tigris and Euphrates meet. That's called Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia is an old word that means between 
the rivers it means between the Tigris and the Euphrates River and southern Mesopotamia is what we call southern Iraq Iraq and Babylon are one and the same let me get over here alright here is this is one of my favorite pictures in here the Tigris and the Euphrates the Tigris comes down meets the Euphrates here just a little above the Persian Gulf that's where we had that war uh, that short war in the early 90's right here so it meets down here and this is called Mesopotamia between the rivers 2,000 years before Christ not when he was born before him where the Tigris and Euphrates meet, people felt the weight of the old year as it drew to a close and needed a sense of renewal to face the new one just as we do today. The rules of the ordinary living were relaxed during the winter. The men, my father would draw, he's talking about what the men did in the early celebration of the Saturnalia. And he says, my father would draw a pint of bourbon from its hiding place in the broom closet and pass it around to each one. This is the person that's writing this for a nip and a sigh of satisfied warmth. That must have been mild. Who's your version of Roman Saturnalia? The pagan revels of the uh, of the excess that marked that time of the year. Like those Romans, we also decorated with green boughs. The reason they did that is in the northern countries of up in Scandinavia. Scandinavia is Norway, Sweden, Denmark. Norway, Sweden, and Denmark are way up north up there. Up there where it's very, very cold. You get up here. And their gods, their sun gods, they had their own version. Woden. Woden, we got our word Woden's Day or Wednesday from that. We named our days of the week Saturn Day, Sunday, Moon Day, Two-ish Day, Mars Day, Woden's Day. Now, all right. Like the Romans, we also decorated the green boughs. In the Scandinavian world, they said the. This is all in the same picture. I'm not departing from the picture. They say that the the green trees, especially the fir trees, are magical trees, and they could live through the dead of winter and through sub-zero weather. So they decorated their pagan temples with the holly in the boughs of the these pagan trees that's why they wrote that old sailing bowl song deck the halls with boughs of holly that is not a christian song at all now let me keep reading the wish to bring light to dark gave hope of spring in the dead of winter lighting the candles for hanukkah every december symbolizes such longing in the jewish faith they don't even know what Hanukkah is. Hanukkah was cleansing of the temple after Antiochus Epiphanes defiled the temple around 166 B.C. 
Now let me read on. The richness of the story of 4,000 years of Christmas gives new meaning and pleasure to the holiday. Now let me get into the prologue. I'm not reading all of it, just some of it. Although Christmas story centers in the Christ child of Bethlehem, they simply gave that birthday to Jesus because it was the pagan birthday of Mithra and begins so long before his coming that we find its hero arriving on the scene after more than half of the time of the story has gone by. Christmas is one of the humankind's great experiences for more than 4,000 years spreading over the earth in the form of paganism. Now let me go over here to the Feast of Saturn. The rising of the sun goes west. In the land of Tigris and Euphrates, Christmas began there over 4,000 years ago. And he goes into all kinds of stories on that. Let me get on over here to the Feast of Saturn. All right. In Greece, there was the old god Kronos, which means the horned god, which was a picture and a type of Satan with his horns. His festival was Sakia, which eventually was dropped and renamed the Feast of Saturn. In ancient Babylonia, it was Murduk who conquered the monsters that lived before our world was created. The Romans believed in the ancient god of seed time, or Saturn, who had ruled their country ages before their own day. So, Kronos came to Rome. Saturnia entered into the Saturnalia, or the Feast of Saturn. The first day of Saturnalia shifted during the lifetime of Rome. At all events, it began around the middle of December with the cry, with the cry, Low Saturnalia or whole Saturnalia, December the twenty fifth, the day as the Romans calculated when the sun was at its lowest ebb. The Roman Saturnalia and the holidays that followed were boisterous indeed. Drunken festival. It was a it was an orgy. Some scholars are inclined to suspect that the Christians overdid their disapproval. Not so. That's because these scholars wanted to have their Christ Mass. Whatever the behavior of some Romans, others were simply merry. They masqueraded through the streets, ate dinners, visited their friends, and so forth, and got drunk. The Romans explained them as coming down from the time of King Titius of the Sabines. And you say, who are these people? They're gods of the ancient world long before Christ. To receive branches from lucky tree located in the grove. The grove in the Old Testament, Asher was the tree goddess. And that's why God destroyed Israel and scattered them all over the earth. S-H-E-R-A-H. Asherah. The halls of the Romans were decked with boughs of laurel and green trees with lighted candles and with lamps to commemorate their 
allegiance to the sun god or the fire god. For the hovering spirits of darkness were afraid of the light. Reminds me of John the third chapter, verse 21. Men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Now let me read some more out of this book. On the frontiers of the Roman Empire on the Danube River and in the Balkans much closer to the Near East, the ancient customs stemming from Mesopotamia were hardly tamed at all. They weren't tamed down. Let me tell you what they did during the what they call the festival of the Lord. This is another title. Lord of Misrule. What they did, they called this Feast of Saturn, the festival of the Lord of Misrule. You can look that up in the McClinic and Strong. They would take a man and make him the Lord of the Saturnalia. They did the same thing, did the same thing with Mardi Gras. They had a Lord, and Mardi Gras was a seven-day festival among the Franks. Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras, it was a term that they used for the seven-day festival among the Franks. And Mardi Gras means Fat Tuesday. And the Franks, this was their this was their celebration of the same parallel situation. They would always have the ending of Mardi Gras on Tuesday, since they had three hundred and sixty days they were using in their calendar, and they call that Fat Tuesday or the end of the festival, and they would kill the king of Mardi Gras. And they actually have a king of Mardi Gras. They actually have a king of Mardi Gras down in Louisiana, and they have a ritualistic slaughtering. They did the same thing. Listen to this. There's a story quite possibly true, which tells how the Christian soldier Decius became a martyr and a saint. Decius belonged to the garrison of Dorostorum, which today is Silistra, Bulgaria, not far from the Danube meets the Black Sea. When the Saturnalia arrived at this area, the soldiers there chose by lot one among their number to be the Saturnine king of the revel. To revel means to live debaucherously. For thirty days they feeded him, indulged him in all things, paid him rough and boisterous court. Boisterous means they had a sexual attitude in the court and all kinds of orgies. Then when his thirty days were up, he had to stand at the altar and kill himself. This is where Christmas comes from, the Feast of Saturn. In 303 A.D., the lot fell upon Decius, this soldier, 
Being a Christian, he refused to play the pagan god for the amusement of the heathen comrades. The soldiers argued with him and threatened his life, but Decius would not give in, so they beheaded him. The sarcophagus of St. Decius reposes today in Anacona, Italy. Whole Saturnalia to the pagans, the Saturnalia was fun. To the Christians, Saturnalia was an abomination. Church fathers discovered they were also facing an invasion of pagan customs. It's the customs that mess people up. The habit of Saturnalia was too strong to be left behind. They liked it too much. They're not going to leave it behind. At first, the church forbade it, but in vain. The church in early Christianity said, we won't have it. But they couldn't stop it. When a river meets a boulder that will not move, the river flows around it and that's what they did they left this feast of Saturn there in the name of Christ's mass if the Saturnalia would not be forbidden let it be tamed some people have thought that the Christians invented Christmas to compete against the pagan celebrations of December the 25th for that day was sacred not only to the pagan Romans but to a religion from Persia which in these days was one of Christianity's strongest rival that was Mithraism M-I-T-H-R-A-I-S-A-M Mithraism at one time they said Mithraism would overcome and conquer Christianity Mithraism was about Christ's mass The Persian religion was Mithraism whose followers worshipped the sun and celebrated its return to strength on that day. The church finally succeeded in taking the merriment, the greenery, the lights, the gifts from Saturn and giving them to the babe of Bethlehem. The babe of Bethlehem didn't want that. It was paganism. It was the customs of the pagans. December the 25th, it happened that the date did fall in the midst of Saturnalia. Far from being an invention to compete against Roman and Persian paganism, the birthday of Christ ran the danger of being swallowed up in pagan merrymaking, and it was. And let me remind you, that was all because of what Israel went after This is a part of the one big picture. This has got so much more in this. The first page of the next chapter says, no one knows when Jesus was born. December the 25th is no more historical date of his birth than any other. I'll come back and read some more of that. I hope you're getting a hold of This is not different subjects. It's one big, long, huge subject. One. Everything that's going on in the world in the Middle East, all of the diseases, all of the plagues, 
I'm not taking a stand for anybody concerning this coronavirus. I'm telling you, if we have any kind of disease, I don't care how how benign you will say it is. That means it's not dangerous. I don't care if it's killing less than the flu did last year. One thing we do have, we've got a worldwide fear all over the world because people don't know what it's about and it don't matter what it's about. It's the judgment of God. Period. If you think he won't accelerate this disease, just sit and watch. If you think he won't send another one, (coughs) why do you think all these diseases have come upon America? We are a heathen nation. And it's because the preachers are preaching all of these lies. How can you... I don't know how to put this real simple. Let me just read some more. Back to... Back to these springboard verses of Deuteronomy the 28th chapter let me let me put this as simple as I can let me try to put it in simple words I can see exactly what it's talking about I don't know if you can in Deuteronomy 28 let me start reading the first verse It shall come to pass that if thou wilt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to do what? To observe and to do all his commandments. You have to hearken. Hearken is the same word as obey. It's the word shama. That is the same word obey. Hearken. Hear. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord had made it in both of them. If you will hearken, hear, obey, and do the commandments of God, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God shall set thee on high above all the nations of the earth. All the believers have to do is listen and obey God, and these things will follow. All these blessings shall come on thee. But you can't listen to these preachers that are preaching, accept Christ. You can't go around telling people to accept Christ as your personal Savior, (coughs) as a means of salvation. It is not. You can't listen to that. What is the means of salvation? It's believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe and faith are basically the same word. One is the verb, the other is the noun. Faith is the noun. Faith is P-I-S-T-I-S. Believe is P-I-S-T-E-U-O. P-I-S-T is the stem of the word. The rest of the word is built on that. This is a verb. This is a noun. You can't believe that. And that's all the preachers. That's what my father preached. 
Jimmy, all that matters a man accepts Christ as a personal Savior. And the Bible says the man who's dead in his sin, the natural man, cannot receive. How in the world? Sukikos. The natural man does not receive. Dekomai. Dek is the word ten I keep saying in the Greek. Dek is ten. A decade is ten years. And dekomai, the natural, the man who's dead in his sin. Sukikos. P-S-U-C-H-I-K-O-S. The man who is dead in his sin cannot reach out the ten fingers and accept an offer that's been given. When you're dead, you can't accept anything spiritual. It's foolishness to a dead man. And when preachers preach that, and all the Baptist preachers across America are preaching it, it's not true. You have to repent. You have to be born again by the will of God. The fact that people hate predestination, they can't tell people how to be saved. They'll tell them to accept Christ, and that's not true. You have to be born by God's will. We're born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Just tell people all they have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But how can you when you can't believe and there's none that seeks after God? The reason for Christmas, the reason for the virus and for the war in the Middle East it's all the same it's a part of the same picture when Israel was a nation for 500 years and it's crept through all the world the world is corrupt we're getting more and more corrupt every day let me finish reading this to do all his commandments how can you do the commandments of God when the preachers in America are not telling the truth when they, the average person out here that goes to a church, you know how much they know about the Bible? Just about nothing. You start talking to somebody about, just about repentance or daily cross or death to self, they go, what? What are you talking about? I accepted Christ, wasn't I? No, you didn't. Or they're told by some Baptist preacher, pray a sinner's prayer. The Bible says sinners that are dead in their sin can't pray. There's none that seeks after God. How shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? But belief has more to it than just sin. I believe in Jesus. If you believe Jesus, you do what he said. You wrestle with your flesh. And then he says... I command thee this day that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth. And here's the blessings that will come on you. And these are, they have an opposite too, starting in verse 15. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. If thou hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Hearken, remember, is the word obey. Shema. Let me just read it like that. If thou obey the voice of the Lord thy God. Did Israel obey? No, they went after the Christ Mass. Blessed shalt thou be in the city. Blessed shalt thou be in the field. Your fields will be full. Your cities will be fine. They won't have all these riots in the streets that we have in America.
all these demonstrations going on. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body. You'll have babies and they'll be healthy and they'll grow up healthy. And it all depends on if you're obedient to the word of God. How can America obey the word of God when you got all these false doctrines coming out? Christmas, I accept Christ, sinner's prayer for salvation, tongues. Two words for tongue, dialectos and glossa. Glossa means foreign language. Dialectos means a dialect of the Greek common street language. I don't have time to go into all that. How much time do I have, Mike? 16. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body. Your children won't be stillborn or born with a disease. That's all you have to do to be healthy and have plenty to eat and have no famine. That's all. Obey God's word. And the fruit of thy ground and the fruit of thy cattle, even your cattle will be healthy. The health of your animals is going to depend on your obedience to God. The increase of thy kind, which is another cattle, the flocks of thy sheep, blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. That's a storehouse. You'll have plenty to live on. But it all depends on your obedience to God. But how can you obey God when the preachers in America are telling you all these lies? Christ, Mass, Ishtar. I don't even have time to go on Ishtar. You've heard me preach on that. Blessed shall thou be when thou goest in. Blessed shall thou be when thou goest out. But if you're not obedient to God, none of these blessings will be true. And he says that in the starting the 15th verse all these curses will come upon you the Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face they'll come against you one way and they'll flee seven ways you say does that apply to us today yeah you'll have the word of God you'll have the sword of the spirit in your mouth and you'll say truth to them and they'll run from you when you learn the truth how are you going to learn the truth when they tell you all of these Pentecostal charismatic Baptist lies America doesn't know the truth if you walk out here on the streets and ask an average person what do you have to do to go to heaven they'll give you some Baptist some Baptist theological answer and it will be a wrong answer we are in I believe we're in the end of time he says down here starting verse 15 if you're not obedient all these curses will come upon you you'll have the sword the famine the pestilence and the beast and they'll carry you away it all goes back to this one picture Israel in as a nation and let me put it this way what Israel did from 1 Samuel to 2 Chronicles going after this sun and tree worship you can actually everything that happened here you can include everything in the world that is going on or that has gone on with right here everything all the wars all the diseases all the famines all the pestilence Coronavirus don't sit alone. 
That's just one. Just one of the signs of the end of time. I was going to go into, I'm going to have to put this off till next week. Do I have any time, Mike? I'm not going to have time to get in this. I, I was going to show you how. Because Israel, I keep saying to you, I keep saying, because Israel went after all of this sun and tree worship, because they went after this sun and tree worship, everything that's happening in the world is concerning Israel and the church. The church has become spiritual Israel. That's everything that's going on. And it includes everything that's happening and what it has caused. I've been wanting to show you this. Israel was carried away captive by Babylon. Well, let me put it this way. Southern Judah was carried away by Babylon. And Israel was under the rule of Babylon from 586 B.C. You say, those, those dates don't seem much to me. They're everything. Because they were carried away in 586. And that's when Nebuchadnezzar came in and devastated and leveled leveled the temple, leveled Jerusalem, and leveled it all. And then Babylon was overthrown by Persia in 3 and 539, 539 B.C. And then Persia was subjugated by by the this was the bear Persia Persia and this was Babylon the lion Babylon this is the beast the beast is a world ruling system whenever George Bush Sr. started talking about the new world order I went whoa because that is the beast it's what's ruling and then then Greece overthrows Persia and this would be the leopard the fighting machine overthrew Persia around 334 BC and this was could be 32 and Philip, the father, Philip of Macedon, Macedon, Macedon was Upper Greece. The Peloponnesus was down here. That's the part looks like a big hand. Well, this is Macedon. Macedon was considered rough and hard and uneducated. Well, it was under the Greeks. That was around 332 B.C. And that was Alexander the Great that overthrew the Persians. He lived about 12 years 
to around 318 B.C. and his kingdom broke up into four systems and they were still ruling Israel. Israel has been overthrown and as Babylon is overthrown by Persia, nobody in Israel goes back home except a certain few and it was these guys, it was Cyrus, uh, Darius, Artaxerxes that gave the decrees for them to go back and rebuild the temple and the city but they didn't completely cooperate in this so most of them didn't go back so they stayed under the rule of the Greeks when Alexander the Great died around 318 BC then his four generals Seleucus Seleucus, Ptolemy, Cassander, and Lysacomus. And they took over his kingdom. It's believed that one of these assassinated Alexander the Great, probably Seleucus. He got the lion's share of his empire. And the Seleucians were always at war. Seleucus was up here in what we call Syria. is up here in the Syrian area. And they were always at war with the Ptolemies. That was another general who took over Egypt and Ethiopia and down here. And that's another story. Well, they kept on ruling until they were subjugated Subjugated meant to put them in submission. Submission. Now remember, Israel is in captivity all this time because they didn't choose to go back home during the Persians who gave them decrees to go back and rebuild the city and, and and the temple. But they didn't all go back. So, You get to around 96 B.C. when Caesar, Julius Caesar, is the first is the first emperor of Rome. The total emperor. Well, they started calling all of the men who ruled Rome after his last name, Caesar. You had Augustus Caesar. You had Tiberius Caesar. They were all Caesar. Caesar was a title other than Julius Caesar. So Israel, during New Testament time period, is being ruled by Rome, the beast with iron teeth. And you'll find this beast... You'll find this beast over in Daniel 7, the lion, the bear, and the leopard, and the iron teeth. Daniel 7, you'll find it in Revelation, Revelation 13. You'll find it in Hosea. Sometimes it won't say exactly. Oops, got some bug up there. Hosea 13, and you'll find the lion, the bear, and the leopard. Well, they stayed... The whole thing is, I'm going to go and cover 
all the nations that ruled Israel. I gave you all a paper on this, and this starts with the devastation of during Jesus' time, during Jesus' time, only two tribes were back from the captivity. Only Judah and Benjamin. And they comprised the southern kingdom. And I've said this before, the reason the other tribes weren't back, the ten northern tribes, ten northern tribes, let me remind you, this is all one picture. This is one picture. It's not a bunch of... It's a whole bunch of different things that happened during this one picture from the beginning to the end of time. And the ten northern tribes never came back. The four four decrees were only given to southern Judah. So they come back from the captivity. So at the end of time... God's going to make Joseph or Ephraim one nation. So he's saying, if I, Joseph or Ephraim, along with Judah, with Judah, which was the tribe of Benjamin and Judah, Ben and Judah, that's the southern kingdom. He makes them one nation at the end of time, and that's here. Now, Isaiah 11, and and Ezekiel 37. He makes them one nation again. So, there. What I've got to do? How much? Do I have any time, Mike? Three. Three minutes. When I come back next week, I'm going to go through this paper. And it's going to show you that Israel was being ruled from 586 in captivity. And when you get down here to 70 A.D., when Titus, the Roman general, comes in, the son of Vespasian, Vespasian was the Caesar at that time. Titus becomes a Caesar later on. He's the commanding general that comes in and levels Jerusalem, and they're passed from one power to the other for the rest of their existence until May 14, 1948. And that'll give you all the places that rule them, where they were ruled from. They were not a nation. From 586 until May 14th, 1948. They got Jerusalem back, got Jerusalem back in the Six Day War, June 5th through 10th. And that is very significant because Luke 21 24 says the Jews will fall by the edge of the sword. How long? From 586 all the way 
and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the Gentile rule over the Jew, Jerusalem is finished. And that was finished in the Six-Day War, June 5th through June 10th. And the Bible says concerning this, this generation will not pass away till all is fulfilled. We have to be looking right into the eyes of eternity. I don't, I don't know if I'll see it in my lifetime. But I believe it's at the door. Not because I am some great seer. Because I've spent my life studying this. Studying Israel. Going after Baal in the grove. It's the same thing as Christ's mass. Christmas is the reason for all of this happening to Israel and God opening the eyes of the Gentile church. That's what it's about. This is a picture that's been in my mind for a long, long time. All I want to do is get people where they can see that. And you can't get it all of a sudden at once, but... I hope you're beginning to get a view of it. Is it getting a little easier to see, Teresa? It's not separate. It's a bunch of different events, but it's all the same picture. It's just one big sweeping picture. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for truth. Help the believers to awaken to your word. There has to be something coming down the road that we don't understand and we can't see. You've given us signs. You said you'll give us signs so we can know the season. This seems to be the season, Lord. I don't know whether it'll be here before I die, but Lord, help the people to get strong and be strong, those that are part of this ministry. That this is your promise to us fight our battles we don't want to fight nobody no more it's part of our needs and if it's according to your mercy and will open doors for this ministry so the world can hear this message and we'll praise you for everything in Christ's name Amen I hope we can begin to see this whole picture. It's a lot. I don't know what Hitler was doing on my wall in the hospital. (laughs) Maybe I was thinking about how he was part of this persecution of Israel or something. He was the last Assyrian monarch to slaughter Israel. Thank you. Killed six million of them.